0: On the Muskogee Reservation, and you are on the Muskogee pod. We got a great episode today. We are going to be talking to Miss Jerry Wisner. She is the Attorney General. For the Muscogee Creek Nation, you know, back in 2020 when the McGirt decision came down, you know, we really didn't know what a post-McGirt world would look like. We thought we would, but but really nobody had ever done that before. Yeah. The state of Oklahoma was illegally uh, assuming jurisdiction for 117 years. Uh, that got flipped in the snap of the fingers, or you could say the stroke of a pen from Neil Gorsuch in the Supreme Court. And just like that, we have a new reality. And, um... A lot of things come with that, Anthony, of course. Yes, sir. Um, but when you talk about shifting jurisdiction, a lot of the uh, responsibility falls on the Office of the Attorney General. And with Jerry Wisner now on board, um, he, you'll get a sense of this in the conversation when we talk to her, and you'll get a an idea of what kind of woman we're dealing with here when we talk about Jerry Wisner. But uh, I think we're in good hands as far as someone uh, that knows the moment, understands the moment, and m- most importantly, I would say, doesn't shy away from the moment, doesn't back down from the moment, is ready for a challenge, oh, yeah. craves um, a competitive type of uh force in her life that has her have to go out and get something, yeah, uh, and take care of something and passionate about her people and passionate about our people. Very much. So, so, um, you know, with that comes a lot of uh, communication and, um, really for her, I think getting in and realizing the lack of communication on a lot of things, um, realizing that some of the problems, quote unquote, that come with the McGirt decision aren't really problems because nobody's really tried to get down to the really the root of the issues, which is just simple communication and making sure that we're collaborating and we're getting people to communicate with us as well. And so that all goes into her job as attorney general. And she's got a great staff over there and they're hustling every day. And nobody ever said it was going to be easy. Nobody ever said that there wouldn't be a lot of cases shifted and things like that. Um, That's reality. You know, there's no shying away from that. But I think um, the sky is falling narrative um, was always something we knew we would have to Um, basically combat and say, you know, that's a that's a load of malarkey. That's that's the argument that was used in the oral arguments in the case itself uh, that didn't hold water. It didn't hold water then. It certainly doesn't now. And I think it's old hat um, to to rehash things that we've already settled. Um, It's time to get to work. It's time to collaborate. Um, McGirt is McGirt. Um, It's, you know, been handed down. And this is our reality. And um, there's no more time Uh, to push back or waste any more tax dollars from the state of Oklahoma uh, on something that's already been decided. So uh, it's time for collaboration and and we're working on that. We're doing the best we can uh, trying to get all of the cross deputization agreements in place, get all of our agencies working together. Um, If you go out there in the field, I promise you, Talk to some of the cops in our reservation, um, some of our agencies that work with our light horse. It's not a sky is falling scenario that you read in the papers. If you talk to those people on the ground, they want to work together. They realize the capacity building that happens when one or two agencies come Come join. Yes, sir. Exactly right. Yes, sir. Um, So without further ado. Let's do what we're here to do today, and that is have a conversation from our reservation with the Attorney General of the Muskogee Creek Nation, Ms. Jerry Wiseman. And that starts right now. And welcome into the Pod Cave for this week's episode. It is Miss Jerry Wisner. She is the Attorney General for the Muscogee Creek Nation. Jerry, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: And Shay, thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, we had to have you because let me tell you, as far as important titles go around here, it gets no bigger than Attorney General these days. So how's that been?
1: <laughs> um let me let me back up a moment and say it has been extremely humbling. Yeah. Um I I I am from Willeka, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I graduated with a total of 26 other outlaws in 1988 and um including
0: that guy that was just out here talking to you yeah
1: i'm a little bit older than him but we're all outlaws chief of
0: staff jeff and
1: i believe there's a chris ray who Mm -hmm. was over with the uh, casino yeah and uh there's a handful others I, i can't think of off the top of my head but i know that i i love walking around the complex and and seeing those people and 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 feeling at home right um my grandpa um was involved in the 1979 Constitutional Act, and uh, he worked a lot with Bill Fife. Uh And so uh, Jeff and I and a handful of others, um, when we were children, we would come to the complex and at that time uh, when they had their meetings we would run it was like a racetrack around the top of the mound building oh, wow. and we would race each other <laughs> oh before they goodness. had all those doors and i remember running around and we'd also eat the food that they had and then fall asleep under the tables and <laughs> i you know we fall asleep hearing sovereignty the federal government, the state of Oklahoma. So, you know, early on, it, those things sunk in. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: there was also a time I was running around like crazy. I thought it was just so fast. And I ran into um, this guy's legs. And I backed up and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I looked up and up and up. And he was a really tall guy. And he, I said, I'm sorry. He was like, be careful or they're going to give you a job. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then somebody else goes, you know, that was Will Sampson. Oh, yeah. I and knew I you were like, going to, yeah.
0: when you said Tall Creek, I was like, that kind of narrows it down a little <laughs> bit. So, yeah.
1: And it also dates me. But, yeah. but, I mean, that was just, I mean, that was a really big, important time for Muskogee people and our our government. And um, so I was, uh, I grew up hearing about those meetings and being there and learning that there were those three forms of government the federal the tribal and the state and that we could work together we could work against each other um but that you know I had uh, also a responsibility yeah. growing up that at some point in time you give back to your tribe the tribe does things for you but I have a responsibility to the tribe and so I am humbled to be where I am yeah. um it has been a long road, and I have, I have, I'm nowhere without the help of my family, um, the people in my community, those people in Walika, at the Tallahassee grounds, at the Hutjubba church, um, all of those places where I know that I, I give hugs and handshakes, and I come from there, and I know what it's like when you're dancing and you're tired and your legs hurt because I've been shaking <laughs> shells all night and the sun is coming up. And I think I um, I pray while I'm dancing and I pray that my ancestors are proud of me and that I pray that what I'm doing now helps further that cause. And, um, and I know I have a lot of sisters in the legal profession and brothers who are in the legal profession and those who simply just give a damn about our tribe. Right. And I look to them and rely on them to help guide us into that next seventh generation so that this is not just a blip on the radar, yeah. that we can capitalize on on the efforts and the strength and the, um, the, uh, the things that people have given up and fought for for so long that it means something. Yeah,
0: and don't you think that's, too, why it's, it is doubly frustrating for, for folks like us that are citizens of this tribe and care so much about the way we do things here and the way we do things in our courts and the way we do things in our government, the way we do things in our social service programs and our... Um, you know, our outreach programs, our community involvement things, um, when we hear this blowback of the McGirt decision that it's a bad thing or that it's this is going to tear our state apart, um, it, it makes it personal to hear those things because of what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is build capacity. We're trying to double the capacity to make this a safer, more peaceful, more prosperous reservation. And when you hear those things, it's tough because you, of all people, know how much work is going on over in the attorney general's office. But what a full circle moment for you. I mean, to to describe your childhood in the way that you did, now to have the responsibility of your position in your office. Um, that's I mean, that's gotta be incredible to have to have sort of that full circle moment for yourself.
1: And and again, I'm gonna say very humbling. Because I don't think I'm any more important or um, any better than anyone else. And it's just like when we have food or we have meals, we take care of our elders first. And then we make sure those children are taken care of. And then there we are. And I think that the same is true as I'm looking at all the things, our elder services, our victim services, um, all of those are important. But also in recognizing, even though we are different, we're significantly different from the feds and from the state, our system of justice is not only, um, has not only been with us since the beginning of time in who we are, um, it's, it's also restorative. You know, we recognize that these are our people, whether they're the victim or the suspect, um, they're our people. And we look to healing resources and trying to address the multiple layers of trauma, uh, the boarding school trauma, the trauma from the trail of tears, the trauma from from simply being considered less than uh, less than dogs, Uh um, you know, just categorized as an other um, that that we know what's best for our Native people. Yeah. And uh, I think we've been able to prove that time and time again. And when we think of this also historically with the respect to the McGirt decision, our people, our grandfathers and grandmothers, if they were to have listened to them, we've been saying and we've had T-shirts and all of this all along saying, Respect our treaties. Yeah. Respect our treaties. And we're going back to 1866. We've been saying this all along. And then suddenly we're given credibility for what we have been saying. Um, I think that it was just fortuitous. And here we are. Had we had. Had we the respect and the honoring of our treaties, we wouldn't have this big tide of, right. oh, my gosh, the sky's falling. Yeah, because
0: and, nothing would have changed.
1: Right. It wouldn't we, be
0: this, hey, right now, switch everything the way we've been illegally doing it for 116
1: years. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we could have proven and we would have shown how we not only stand up as a sovereign but we also offer the state and the feds so many other resources. Right. You know, when I talk about and, and train justice agencies and law enforcement on how do we, how what do we do at a crime scene? How do you process this? A lot of that is no different. And it doesn't matter if you're Native, non-Native, American, um, alien from uh-uh. from a different place. the crime scene is predominantly the same you're going to collect the evidence but how we do those healing resources how we bring all of those in and i was just talking with uh, a municipality and they have let's just say half of the pie on victim resources well we have the other half of that pie yeah. why not work together let's get
0: together and have pie eh. the and, whole thing and
1: everybody gets a piece
0: everybody gets a piece <laughs> that's exactly right no, and, and you're, you're preaching to the choir because that's what our messaging has been for, for this whole time. It's been we're trying to build. We're not trying to take away. We're not trying to be more. We're trying to build together. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's something that's lost on the other side, and that's an unfortunate. And we'll get back to a little bit of that here in a moment. But I want you to tell us how, you know, Waleek Kahai... Um, class of 96, probably somewhere around there. Oh, no. It was 88. I, I have <laughs> no, no shame in that. No, no. Jerry, I got to <laughs> ask you, though. You go from there. How do you uh, begin your journey um, into the legal profession? Just sort of take us uh, through how you came to be uh, the Attorney General. Well,
1: I will um, go back to Walika, um, I'm the oldest of five mm-hmm. and my mother is uh, Muskogee. my dad's Filipino so wow. we had uh, we had an interesting time growing up and we would always have uh, a lot of fry bread and our fry bread always had rice with soy sauce. <laughs> that sounds side.
0: so good <laughs> I'm so <Yes>. jealous <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's not
1: so good if you're uh, you know trying to avoid carbs That's but, true <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: but um, you know in high school um, we we had a, There's a really strong community in, in Wilika and um, we would share, like, if you look at this from the lens of an 18-year-old high school girl, we shared prom dresses. We shared a lot of things. I was the homecoming queen, um, and on the uh, evening of homecoming, we had our electric shut off. Um, because you know, we would either have the water or the electric running, and most times it wasn't both because yeah. uh, we, were, we were really struggling, and we made a lot of recipes out of those commodities yeah. that had the picture of the animal. <laughs> and um, so on the evening that uh, our electricity was shut off, um, a gentleman who lived in town and his family came out to my house, and they said, "Hey, we know you got to get ready for homecoming. Why don't you come get ready at the house?" Because they lived close to the uh, football stadium. And uh, we said, "Oh, thank you." So I went to their house and I got ready, and they helped. And I I was crowned homecoming queen. It was it was it was a great evening. And we went home, and I put my crown with a bunch of candles around it, and and it, it lit up. But the uh, the family that helped was Bill Fife, and oh, wow. uh, you know the uh, father of Jeff Fife, yeah. Jeff and Cinda. And so when Jeff and I go a long way back, but you know, their family, our family, the idea of taking care of each other and helping is so ingrained in everything that we do and taking care of each other and just just giving. Um, so so that those things are you grow up with, it's just a part of what you do. And it becomes what you're supposed to do. Um, after high school, um, I went into the Marine Corps and I, I love that. I started off in the band. I, um, auditioned and I made the Marine Corps band, went to boot camp and did that for a couple months. And I realized, um, I'm high functioning, ADD, ADHD, (laughs) and I wanted to get my hands dirty. And you don't do that so much when you're wearing your dress blues all the time. So I, um, did a lateral move into a, a combat MP field. And so um, I I got to do a lot of, I jumped out of airplanes and helicopters. Um, I um, finished, uh, I went to a sniper training school in Lejeune and made the rifle team in Quantico. Um, I'm very competitive and I liked doing things like that. You know, when they say, you know, you can't do that because you're a girl, that just sets it up like, uh, just watch. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm about yeah. to prove you wrong. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, wanting to make my family proud. Yeah. And um, so after, um, after my uh, contract, my brother went in as an officer, and my brother and I are very competitive. So I got out of the Marine Corps with the intention of being La Femme Nikita, and I yeah. was going to join the CIA. I was like, okay, if you're going to do that, then I got a little bit of a uh, little sidetracked, and <laughs> I had a son and chose law school because I realized even with uh, I had an undergrad degree, it was not enough to. I I wanted to help Indian people and help the Muscogees and. An undergrad, a bachelor's degree, just wasn't enough for me, mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted to improve my arsenal, if mm-hmm. you will. So, yeah. law school was the next step, and um, and it was it was a challenge. I mean, law school is no fun, mm-hmm. but uh, it's like having a child. You know, you uh, once you get through that process and you pass the bar examination, it's like, okay, now yeah. now yeah, you can finally catch your dark. breath. Yeah. So um, I started off. Uh, I started off becoming a defense attorney just because I recognized, you know, our family needs one. Everybody, you know, Native people, we're always getting arrested. And uh, that lasted maybe a little bit because I realized tribal prosecutors had so much more uh, latitude. Yeah. You know, uh, if you look at a fine and or jail that we have our maximums on, that's not a traditional Muskogee prescription to address criminal, uh, criminal behavior. And so I was thinking about what are the things that we do at church, uh, you know, when kids act up or at the grounds, what are some of the things that they do? Because teenagers acting like ding dongs are nothing new. What did our ancestors do? And, and a lot of it, it, it involved education. More than anything, it takes us to ask our ancestors. We're sitting on such a big prescription of things that used to work. Uh-huh. We are here because so many of those things worked. So, why aren't we employing and utilizing some yeah. of those resources that were? that are ours, they're inherent, and they're indigenous to us, and they've worked. Mm-hmm. So I flipped over to the prosecution, and it's it has been a great fit. I've been prosecuting for almost 20 years now yeah. for various tribes across Oklahoma, um, Nebraska, um, Texas, and Mexico, and the prosecution has been a good fit. I like working with law enforcement, our resources, and more than anything, Involving the community, Uh because uh, I think that community policing is very native, Um, you know, taking care of each other, uh, watching out for each other. Um, We've got very we've gotten very insulated um, on having our home and we lock the doors. But when we say, you know, it takes a village or it takes a tribe, it does. And we think about how more we used to be involved with our aunties and our uncles and our grandpas and grandmas. Um, so, so I think that there, there are a lot of things that, um, that are indigenous, indigenous prescriptions that are specifically Muskogee that, um, that I want to bring back and I want recognized because they're ours. They're no one else's and they've worked because we're here. Right.
0: Absolutely. And that's that's part of the survival aspect is that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we don't have to ask anyone else on how do you do this or how do you think we should do this or whatever. Just look at our past.
1: But so much of it over time has been either legislated right. or made illegal. Taken out
0: of our hands. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: So so that's where I, I like for us to, you know, indigenous pride, Muskogee pride even though they say we're we're humble yeah uh, we, we shouldn't be prideful but but bringing our voice back yeah um, to use for our people yeah is uh, it it's it makes me feel strong and it makes me feel good
0: yeah and you you know you talk about your legal career you're an authoritative voice as you just said a moment ago um, you've done trainings around the country um, well documented um you're a fierce advocate for children um in your legal practice um to this point and what you've done um to talk a little bit about that Jerry because i think you know that sort of goes to what you're saying about what we need to take care of and that's our future our that seventh generation and and looking ahead to what we're how we're going to leave this place and what kind of society of native people are we going to leave behind when it's our time to go on um and that's, I think, been a part of your drive to be such a fierce advocate for those that are, a lot of the times, they need advocacy.
1: You know, and I, I wouldn't say that it was a, um, a well-thought-out plan, um, unfortunately. I think I became significantly involved with the protection of children out of necessity, uh-huh. um, looking at our criminal dockets and what was happening to our children—not only them being removed from Indian homes, but just the vulnerability of um, our Native children—and seeing the things that they go through, I—I um, I realize I am very—I was raised in a very fortunate, loving home. My mom and dad. Um, were very protective of us. As my grandpa, my uncles, everybody looked out for us. Um, and not every child has that, mm-hmm. and that breaks my heart. But it also call it also speaks to me as a calling. Um, I have one son; he is uh, 27 years old. But I also have hundreds of other children that I have spoken out for. I have protected. And um, I feel that I care for them as they are my own. And I think the creator gave me certain strengths and particular wisdoms, and I'm where I'm supposed to be. Protecting children is what I do. And so if there's a crime scene um, as a prosecutor, I would often, uh, I shouldn't be out on the scene, um, but Uh, I I sometimes would get called out and help children, Um, you know, and and sometimes we have children who are victims of horrible crimes that that should never be talked about, sexual assaults from six-month-old to 16 years old and beyond. Who is going to help them? Who is going to speak out for those children? Um, Finding them help. Finding them treatment and therapy so they can feel strong in their own skin, on their own feet. And just feeling loved and feeling like somebody gives a damn about them, um, about whether they're late for school. So many times from outside jurisdictions, they are so ready to um, discipline and um, put in... um, put in these factors that that are um, punitive to our native children. For example, um, I was working for a jurisdiction and there was a young man. um, He had missed a lot of school and the school called me and they said, hey, I just want you to know I'm the truancy officer. I'm coming to get this young man. He's going to juvenile because he's missed so many days of school. And I had some interaction with his family. And I said, well, wait a minute. Before you do, just give me a few minutes. Just hold up. So I went to the young man's house. It was about 1.30 in the afternoon on a Wednesday um, during the school period. And I knocked on his door. I said, yo, Chabon, what's going on? Uh-huh. And uh, he says, well, I can't go to school. I said, well, tell me what's going on. And he said, well, I don't have any shoes. And I said, well, why don't you have any shoes? He said, well, uncle went back to work. It had been rainy, and so uh, that it wasn't raining, he said, you know, the only shoes that were around were my uncle's, and so I can't go back to school. I said, I'll tell you what, load up, we're going to Walmart. Uh And um, I went and got him some shoes, got him a jacket, I said, and I walked in there, into the school with him, I said, look, you are a strong young man, you're smart, and I need you to be in school so that you can take my place yeah. in, in a handful of years, I'm going to be old yeah. and I need you to take my place. But the only way you can do that, you got to be in school. you got to educate yeah. yourself. And, and, uh, I said, but I'm here to help you. Yeah. He said, okay. I walked into school and I said, if you guys try to discipline this young man, here's my card. I will be his legal representative. Mm-hmm. And they, they backed up. They were like, well, I didn't know. I was like, you don't even ask. Uh-huh. You're just so ready to discipline everybody without looking under the surface at what's going on. And our young our young people, our youth, there's so much going on. I mean, you want to wear the right kind of shoes, much less <laughs> have no shoes. Uh-huh. So sometimes it's about just slowing down and talking to the kids about what is it you need? I'm listening to you uh-huh. um, rather than dictating everything and and just being ready to discipline for everything. I think it just takes a little bit more. And sometimes our children appreciate seeing brown faces Uh in a suit, in those positions, and they're willing to listen to them. It's important to do that.
0: Absolutely. And I think when you said, I need you to take my place one day, it's not even about your position or, or what your profession is. It's, I need you to take my place that you may be able to help another child Mm -hmm. that comes down the pike. That's even more important than what your role as a legal advocate would be or anything like just be a mentor. You know, mentoring is something that can help us in leaps and bounds. And I think that's so important. Like you said, to just say, Hey, here's some perspective before we just tumble him through the system. Because once you go to juvenile, like you said, then you're just rolling through like you're in the dryer. You know what I mean? And, and it just keeps you in there. It doesn't let you out. And that's unfortunate. Um, I, now that you've been here for, what's it been now? Six, 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 six seven six. weeks? Mm-hmm. Six, that, that's crazy. It seems like six months, right? And I, I'm telling you guys, me and Jerry, we get tired of each other. We talk to each other every single day, just about two or three times a day. Hey, can you jump on a call? We got this going on. We got this going on. It's a lot. But I'm telling you, it's not so much that we're not doing it. And I think, like, when you look in the papers and everything, and there's such this attack, and we knew it would happen, you know, that's never been a surprise. I think when we all sat around on July 9th in 2020, we celebrated the McGirt decision, but we said, man, here comes the tidal wave of opposition. Because people in power don't like to give any of it up, any jurisdiction, none of that, whatever. And, you know, the plain and simple fact is for 116 years, things were done illegally. Um, there were there were things that were were supposed to be a certain way that, you know, weren't done. And And you talk about all the reasons for that or whatever, and you can go down a rabbit hole and we can write a book. But the fact is, we knew that there would be opposition. We knew as much from the oral arguments and the briefs that were submitted in opposition to the case in the first place so what's that been like for you i guess to just come on and i want to know what it was like for you to come on after seeing kind of how everything was going from the outside and then coming in and seeing how actually what all is working from the inside
1: i think being on the outside and and that means simply um not working for the Muscogee Nation, or for the five tribes that were um, that have had enhanced reservation status restored to them, um, a lot of people tend to say things, not knowing if uh, if you're Muscogee or um, if if I were involved with it, um, but at the same, t- I, I I saw a lot of the disconnect. Um, I think it. From, from my perspective, it was as if people were running around like the sky was falling. It was the end of days and uh, ready to do the purge siren. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people were ready for it. And I think that um, cooler heads are going to prevail. Cooler heads need to prevail. Um, it is not the end of the world. Um, a- as I mentioned earlier, it's simply the same process. I, I look at McGirt as, first of all, I hate saying that over and over. I know. And I mean no, no disrespect to We call it the sovereignty decision. Family, <laughs> but yeah. the decision, when it came down, um, you know, we were excited and, and, and happy just simply at the acknowledgement of everything that we've said, our, our ancestors have said and worked for. But – when we think about the training aspect, I mean, because law enforcement, they train regularly on all types of things. Um, this is simply, I think, it, these are the cross-deputization agreements, the working arrangements with resources. These are things we should have had in place well before McGirt was even a case. Yeah. You know, 10 to 15 years ago, we should have been working on those agreements. Because if you have, uh, I'll say Mr. Bad Guy, Mr. Bad Guy who likes to prey on Native children, if he knows that we're not working well with the feds or with the county, guess what? He can perp in the city and then he can take them to the casino hotel and perp on them and then go somewhere if we're not talking and communicating, we are the ones suffering and our citizens and members are the ones who are suffering. So it only behooves us to work together on these matters. And I think that it's, if if you can get past that that frontal cortex um, of of uh, you know of my fear and yeah. my initial response and let it sink through and process what's happening, then it's the same crime scene. Right. It's uh, similar resources that we can share with that whole piece of pie that we can offer victims of crime, and we have top notch investigators. And we also recognize outside agency, I mean, there are some red hot investigators, um, crime scene analysts, um, psychologists, all of these people, they still have such a significant role in what we're doing to, uh, what we're doing in our justice processes. Um, I'm happy and we will be issuing subpoenas everywhere so that we can bring them in. And I think that's an important step for our courts and our processes. When they see what's happening, they see a case from beginning to end Mm -hmm. and somebody is going to be sentenced. And we say, thank you for your service. Thank you for your testimony. And you know what? I've got a victim who is on the road To healing, yeah, and um, and and they're stronger and we're better for it. That's what we all want.
0: Yep, and we all want a result too. And I think, like, what you were talking about in our court systems and everything like that. Part of our frustration, I think, is this notion that before the sovereignty decision—see, I didn't even use the word there—before the uh, the sovereignty decision landed, that everything was just rosy. Oklahoma's court system was just perfect, and, and, and everything went right on through, and there were never any cases dropped, and there was never any, any evidence flubbed, and we got we, 100% conviction rate and all this other stuff, um, which couldn't be further from the truth. I think this narrative that now all of a sudden chaos is ensuing just because of this decision – um, you know, we reject that notion and we have a lot in our discussions. We're trying to get, you know, our friends in the media and everybody else out there to realize that and the other side, because we do, we're reaching that hand across. We're not being combative here. We're, we're wanting to work. We're frustrated at the lack of, um, collaboration in some instances, but we're wanting that collaboration.
1: And I want to give a hats off, uh, hands off, hats off, hands up, you know, clapping hands to our Muskogee light horse. They have been involved in so many things that when I listen to the news, they're quick to say, Tulsa PD responded and did yeah. this. Yeah. And uh, the federal, the FBI was on scene to do that. And I know for a fact Light Horse was on scene. Uh, Light Horse dive team also retrieved a weapon that was uh, stolen and was used in a crime and our our Muskogee dive team founded. Yeah. And How many of you,
0: out you of you out there know we even had a Muskogee dive team? You know what I mean? I love the you And they don't
1: them. wear water wings. I mean, they no. are top.
0: Yeah, notch. yeah, no doubt.
1: <laughs> and you know, uh there was a bomb scare in Muskogee mm-hmm. and not only were we on the scene for an active shooter, but we had our uh, we had another team on on route to yeah. Muskogee at the same time, yeah. we are there. We are good partners, and I don't want to toot our own horn, but I will for them. Oh yeah,
0: toot toot. I, we just we had a K nine take uh, what was it uh, six uh, it, it hundred pounds of meth. Or yeah, I was just about to make a, that mention. An incredible amount, and, and or sixteen thousand dollars cash, or like it's in so many bags. Yeah, it was Ma- a massive amount methamphetamine. of methamphetamine, and yeah. we're not you know, we're we're talking about a dangerous drug that is like sunk its claws in our reservation in our sure. area. And that's no small feat to take that much off the street that does something to a ring. Um, if you, if you think about it in terms of an operation in this area. Mm. So yes, toot the horn, would stay humble, but toot that horn because they're doing a great job. And I think, you know, you see that day in and day out. So do we, but I was going to say too, whenever I've gone on scene, which I have for different things, because there's a lot of media attention, Um, I recall last year we had a very big uh, case that we were working of a a missing child. And I was with Light Horse all day. And with with Light Horse, it was Light Horse, the feds, uh, the FBI, OSBI, OHP, Highway Patrol, uh, and county sheriff's officials, uh, city police department officials, all on this case all day long. We had our mobile command unit there, which everybody was working out of, the Light Horse mobile, mobile command unit. As I was going around that day, if I was somebody that had no idea about, you know, our sovereignty decision, what it's done to law and order, what it's done to the process in Oklahoma, um, I would walk away from there that day going, man, all of these teams work seamlessly and are so complimentary of one another and are so like in lockstep with going from A to Z. We got to get to Z. We're starting at A. Here we go. Everybody hold hands. Let's walk towards Z. That's what it was like. And that's what it's like on so many different interagency um, calls. Like you just mentioned a moment ago. absolutely it's, true. It's this lockstep and that's the story that gets lost. I mean, it really is a brotherhood. You would know in military, but also in law enforcement, they're working for each other to try to get the job done. I think a lot of this noise is on the outside of that.
1: I think so because when you, if you are on scene, you also recognize that each of the agencies, they have their own specialty Yeah, and not any one department can specialize in everything. So bringing all of these, you never know when you're going to need a dive team or the dogs or um, whatever else the case may be, uh, robots to to look at uh, EOD, uh, uh, um, ordinance disposal. Uh, there are all these different aspects of it that you need. And so in a crime scene, and you know what, if you are a victim or if your child is missing, you don't care what color that badge is, no. what what it says or what the number or title of it is, simply that people are spending every hour of their awake day dedicated to that, then that's what matters. Yeah. The other part of it is, you know, in many of our smaller rural jurisdictions, a lot of the counties, um, they, on, on a holiday weekend, they may only have one, maybe two officers on, the, on, on duty and overnight at any given time on those uh, on in those situations where we have a cross deputization agreement if they have a domestic violence or a robbery or some other issue they could have to travel all the way across the county to be able to render assistance if they are able to in the first place right. that's where the the beauty of a cross dep so if you're backed up or you know, God forbid, you know, uh, one of our responding officers or frontline uh, responders is in trouble, you know, again, you don't care who it is. You just want somebody there right. to help you. That's right. And um, and that's where we have been able to, um, that's where we respond to the call. It doesn't matter. And we understand the need and the importance of that.
0: Awesome. And Jerry, you're not always the Attorney General. Sometimes you're just Jerry from Walitka. You know, and so tell us a little bit about what you do when you're in your free time and you just get to let your hair down a little bit.
1: I would probably start off by saying there is fewer and fewer free time, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, That's that. Yeah, she kind of looked at me
0: puzzled when I said she's not always the attorney general. She's like, I'm not. Because I think, like, a, I, like I 1 them. or 2 a.m. last night, I was still <laughs> the attorney.
1: Well, I yeah. do, uh, I think, instead of um, going to traditional therapy, I do tennis. Oh, awesome. I, okay. I play a lot of tennis. And just this past weekend was the North American Indian Tennis Association tournament in Oklahoma City. Okay. And uh, my sister, who is a light horse, and I won the— uh, Won the women's doubles yeah. Uh, yeah. trophy.
0: Hit it, hit it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: I was oh. waiting for. A <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's um, it's a it's a tournament where natives from all over the country come and play, and there are a lot of families. And so we're now getting. I'm looking forward to the. Um, the Muskogee Festival I was going to say, you tournament. probably I was going to ask. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, okay. <laughs> All
0: right. So we're going to have to look out for you and your sister. Mm-hmm. Who's also a light horse.
1: Who is also a light horse, yes. So cool. So, um, That's so cool. hopefully we don't have to play each other's in the singles matches. But uh, just also trying to get a lot more youth involved in the sports. So this tournament, they give away, uh, I don't know, the 50 to 75 tennis rackets to youth and encourage them cool. to play, um, recognizing, you know, we have diabetes, we have all of these things that runs in our that run in our families. And we need the uh, we need some native, uh, some native people to follow the Jim Thorpe of tennis needs to step up. Yeah. I don't think she's going to be me, but, um, <laughs> but I'm happy to help provide a, uh, you know, tennis rackets and, and support and cheer for our native youth. Yeah. And so, um, so I spend, I, I play a lot of tennis. Yeah. I used to play a lot of basketball and softball, oh. but uh, you know, it takes a whole lot more people to put a team together, yeah. but tennis, I can find one other suspect and you know we'll go out and play and sure. and I really i enjoy that a lot
0: you get into movies at all i do what's like mm-hmm. your what's like your go-to courtroom movie <sighs> like you know what I mean like you really love see I, I love a few good men that's like my okay. favorite uh, uh,
1: i would say uh, not so much on movies but TV shows. Okay, TV. I would say that now this is prior to my six so or so weeks as, um, as the attorney general, but in my <laughs> yeah. 20 years as prosecutor, I would say that on any given day, it's a cross between law and order SVU. Yes. And the office. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's probably, so that's <laughs> probably what the attorney general's office is like on a regular basis. Right. So it's kind yeah. of
1: the dysfunction and then the seriousness and, you know, yeah, uh, I
0: love it. I love so, it. So when she said law and order, I was like, yeah, it
1: makes me feel good that, um, first of all, they have some really good arguments and some yeah. way to address some of these cases and on a on a vicarious trauma note it it made me feel better that um i like the older versions where they had stabler and he was catholic he had like six kids and sometimes when you handle some of these heavy cases you go home and you tell yourself you know i leave this at the office ideally that's what you do but realistically We look at our children differently. We put up bigger, stronger walls around them. Mm -hmm. Um, We hug them tighter, knowing what that evil actually looks like. Absolutely. And um, so, so there's that. But if we were going to say movies, I I have. I mean, I'm a former marine, so Full Metal Jacket is is all day. day. How
0: how how accurate was that drill sergeant?
1: Oh, very. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say he now, did a great job. From <laughs> short of the fact that you're not supposed to, f- uh, like, they're not supposed to physically yeah. uh, assault you. Um, everything else, absolutely right, true. Yeah, yeah. Mm, even for the females.
0: Well, and I think Arlie Army was actually a, a Marine himself. He was. Yeah,
1: he yeah. was. He was given the. Um, uh, I think he was medically discharged, but they gave him the honorary um, uh, rank of gunny yeah. and. He, he was, he was awesome.
0: Yeah. And I, I always, I always uh, tip a cap to that movie because we'll be in a staff meeting or something and I'll ask everybody like, anybody got anything else? And nobody says anything. And I always hit them with the, well, I guess the core don't get theirs.
1: <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. pile's not going to yep. do the last. pull.
0: <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, Jerry, I tell you what, the longer we keep you here in the pod cave, uh, we're doing this nation a disservice because you got a lot on your plate and a lot to do. So, um, Whether you're a tennis star or a Marine or a homecoming queen, um, you are the attorney general of the Muscogee nation. And we're just so glad you're here with us. And we want to thank you for this great conversation from our reservation because uh, there's so many layers of you uh, that I kn- know that the three of us didn't really know before you came on in. And now I'm glad because I know our viewers, or, our listeners won't, won't know as well. So um, that's what this is about. And I really appreciate your candor and, and you coming in and carving out some time for us. I
1: appreciate it. And I'm uh, thankful to my family to my parents and the, the town of Waleeka, um and also the Muskogee citizens who They have to live with the decisions we make. I pray that Hisagadamisi helps all of us in making good decisions on behalf of our people. Thank you. You
0: are many 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 meadows to miss Jerry Wisner, the Attorney General of the Muskogee Creek Nation. I gotta tell you Anthony uh, some people wilt under the pressure some people get a little bit uh, antsy when the temperatures turned up. Uh, miss Jerry that ain't her she's flourishing man dude she's in her element she is and I and I think you know the wonderful thing about talking with Jerry is um, she is a storyteller. You know, we didn't have to do much. You know, we set, set the uh, levels there, yeah. make sure she can hear herself good, stay in front of the mic, yeah. and and she has a story to tell. Yeah, and we all my, do. Pick my jaw up off of the ground. Absolutely. I mean, she's led a really crazy, cool life. How many times on this podcast do our guests start going and they start talking about their stories, and you and I just sort of look at each other like, "Man, this is this is fire." Yeah, this, this is, is, is fire so good. Content, man. Exactly. And this is what we want. This falls in line with the show. This is what we want on the show. We want people to be driving down the w- road and be like, what? I had no idea. As Shrek told us, layers, layers, onions have layers. Yes. And I had no idea that so many people were, you know, layered like this yeah. and had so many things about them in their background that feeds what they do. Now you talk about Jerry being an attorney general, talking about the old hat way of thinking of like, let's just, Throw people away, punish them, and that's it. You know, collect fines, throw them in the system, that's it. Yeah. And you have Jerry here that has these very real, um, real time life stories where she says, you know, not only was I somebody that needed a hand, I needed somebody to take me to their house on the night I was crowned homecoming queen just so I could use their electricity. Yeah. So I know, I have that empathy, I have that experience. Yes. To where, when I become somebody that can influence, then she helps the young man that's in school, and they don't even want to ask him, you know, why are you having trouble in school. Probably because I don't know what I'm going to wear on my feet. I think that's what I love most about her was her compassion. Yeah, you know, and and her and her tactfulness to give the time. Yeah, to actually care. Yeah, to find out what the root of the problem was. You bet. And and you, you know, in the criminal justice system in this country, in this state, are we? What are we doing? Are we rehabil- rehabilitating? It's this perpetual. Or are we punishing? And that's it. Yes, sir. Because if we're just punishing, that's that doesn't do anything but uh-huh. punish. If we're rehabilitating, we're bringing people back into a society that can welcome them and give them a fresh start. Give them, you know, you, know, you can change the entire trajectory of a family and generational curse and generational trauma by doing that. 100%, man. I mean- And it's a quick fix. You just have to have some empathy. And we have, and it's like this you have to have the right people in the right situations at the right time. And those people like Jerry that have the real time stories, the real time experience to say, I'm going to use what I've felt and how I've lived and the condition that I've been in to improve and build on that condition yeah. for the people that come after them. Yeah, again, she cares for our people. Absolutely. And that's what you got to do if you're going to be here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You that that's what makes our employees different and this place different. When you talk to employees of the tribe that aren't even native, they still have that I want to do it for the nation. Oh, 100%. I want to do it for the people of the nation. I want to see these people thrive and be the best that they can be. I want to take this narrative from, you know, we've had this sad history and this history of oppression and having to overcome and keep going and everything like that. It doesn't always have to be that. No, you said that word earlier flourish. Yes. the, The generational trauma can change Like that. If we get to moving in that direction where we don't accept that anymore, where we say we're going to flourish from here. And you have people like Jerry Mm -hmm. in positions that they're in. That's how we get there. And we get there by people realizing what our mission is here. And Chief preaches it all the time. It's about our people. It's about our people. What can we do to have prosperity and progress? That means we're doing great and we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know, give me... 10 Jerry's. Give me like bring them on. Come one, come all. If you have an experience and you, you know, are are willing to make that experience work for you and work for the people of this nation, man, we want those people. Yeah. And so it's great to have her. And like I said, what a great conversation, man. I, I was I was blown away, you I know, and too. I didn't know that much about her. Um, as I said, you know, <laughs> when we were talking, we talk all the time, we talk every day, but it's always about like sort of the procedural things, you know, what we got this fire we got to put out or we got this you know situation. We've got to get some information out or we've got to handle this press inquiry, whatever. Um, you don't hear that, you know, I had to go somewhere to use electricity for my yeah. homecoming. Yeah. And how that builds a person into what they are to where she said, you know, it, just about everything she said in every decision she chose to go a different direction. It was a challenge for her. Like the, the carrot for her was having to basically get over a hurdle or figure something out or or meet a challenge. Yeah, Really cool. Yeah, really cool. cool. I love to have that type of conversation on this show, and that's why we have these conversations from our reservation, uh, the Muskogee Pod. We will see you guys next time. We hope you enjoyed this conversation from our reservation with Jerry Wisner, the Attorney General of the Muskogee Creek Nation. Like I said, keep listening to Muskogee Pod. We've got great guests coming up from all walks of life. You never know who you're going to hear on this podcast, and that's why we bring it to you. That's why we bring it right here from the pod cave, from the fourth largest tribe in America, the Muskogee Creek Nation. We're going to keep on. You keep on listening. Conversations from our reservation, the Muskogee Pod. We'll see you guys next time.